Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. Welcome everybody to the RJ Ringside Podcast. We're home for all combat sports here at the Review Journal. It's Heidi Fang here and I'm joined with Sam Gordon, our boxing writer, and Adam Hill, our MMA writer. And this show is brought to you by Sunday Ticket, Deal Dash, and Bet Online. You can find all of your MMA and boxing coverage on ReviewJournal.com. And guys, we have a ton to talk about because this weekend we have a big UFC card. There's also been some news here on the Tyson Jones front. Lomachenko Lopez and we're gonna get into all of that right now but let's start it off with UFC 252 happening here in Las Vegas the baddest man on the planet title is on the line and Daniel Cormier and Steve Miocic will do battle for a third time Adam this this fight has a ton of momentum behind it it's but it's crazy considering the fact that both of these guys might retire and walk away from the sport once this fight is done. I mean, what kind of flux does that put the heavyweight division in for the UFC? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a very – I think there's a lot of intrigue to this fight. I think there's a lot of intrigue about what happens after, uh, as you're saying. like there, There's so many different possibilities of what could go on here. Uh, and I think that that applies not only to the scenarios afterwards of, you know, does one guy retire, does both retire, does, you know, Cormier potentially even go back to maybe try to let heavyweight, like, what could happen after this fight? Those are all such good questions, but I think what happens in the cage is a huge question, too. Like, usually when we're breaking down these fights and talking about the fights, like, you, you kind of have a sense of how you feel like the fight is going to play out, even fights that are real close, that, that are close to pick them. Uh, you just kind of have a sense of like, oh, I think this could happen, or I think it, go- it goes this way. I have no shame in saying I have no idea how this fight plays out. I, I think they both have, you know, certain strengths that they they absolutely have, and you know, uh, Stipe is incredibly athletic, such a good boxer. Uh, Cormier is such a good wrestler, but Stipe has really good defensive wrestling and has the athleticism to kind of stay away from him. Uh, the cage is smaller. I know Sam wants to talk about that. Uh, there's just there's so much there's there's so many things there's so many possibilities of how this fight could go that I'm just going into this fight like let's just see what happens in in all scenarios both in the cage and afterwards. And uh, and with that, Adam, I mean you know you touched on it. Um, you know I was texting you last weekend when, when during the card about the difference in cage sizes. And can you explain uh, to me and our listeners what you know the nuance behind a a 25 foot cage as opposed to a 30 foot cage that you normally see. I mean, how does that, that smaller cage, what kind of role does that play? How does that affect um, a fight of this magnitude? Yeah. And then let's just kind of go back and, and how it all kind of developed or it was, it was always a 30 foot cage for UFC fights. Uh, WC, the old, uh, the old organization uh, that they used to have for some of the smaller weight guys, 
Uh, they used a 25-foot cage, but that was because they're, you know, they were using all smaller fighters for the most part, too, and it made some sense. They were in some smaller venues. The UFC had the 30-foot cage, but then they also they added the 25-foot cage into their mix, and they mostly use it in smaller venues. Like, kind of the, the floor size of the venue kind of, you know, dictates to them which cage they go with. Uh, that's how they've done it for a few years, and then now that they're here at the Apex, uh, they could probably use the larger cage. It could probably fit the 30 in there, but they feel it looks better with the 25. Uh, they went to Jacksonville. They used the 30. Uh, then they came back here and used the 25, so uh, they kind of go back and forth a little bit, and, and, and it is really dependent on uh, on where they are, but you know there are some pretty convincing numbers uh, in terms of you know how the fights play out that it really does generate more finishes when they're in the smaller cage. And that would make some sense, right? You don't have as much move, room to move around. Uh, you, can, you can't really stay outside. It's more like, hey, you're in a, you know, the old, you know, fighting in a phone booth. It's just a smaller area. Like, you got to stand closer. You don't, you don't have as much uh, you know, room to get away if you are, you know, in a bad spot. Like, it's just, hey, you're in there and you're fighting in a closer spot. And, you know, a lot of people notice that it was a lot, a lot of finishes in some of these Apex fights. Uh, and, and it's just continued. So, to have a heavyweight title fight, these two huge guys in that big cage is crazy, Heidi. It is. And you know, Adam, I've been sold on the fact that Stipe was going to uh, take his second win here over Daniel Cormier. But once you started talking about that cage, you have to think that the smaller spaces, the more confined spaces, is going to favor Daniel Cormier. He loves getting in there and dirty boxing. He loves getting up up against you and and putting his will on you and making you carry his weight and then wrestling you and dragging you into deep waters. And when I start thinking about it from that side, that means to me that this is going to be much more of a Cormier fight. But I mean, it's it's just five feet of difference in circumference around the circle, but still when you think about it and just the size of it, I think it starts to favor Cormier. What have you thought you said earlier that you didn't really know who was going to win. It can go either way based on their skill set. but have you really kind of narrowed it down to anybody that you're favoring Adam? I mean, I I think you're right. You're on the right track there. And that if you make me pick, I think with the smaller cage, uh, that it would favor Cormier, and and I would lean a little bit in that direction, I suppose. Uh, for what for what you're saying, I mean, Cormier wants to wrestle. He wants to uh, dirty box. He wants to clinch. He wants to push it against the cage. All of those things will be you know benefited by the fact that they are in the smaller area inside there. And and you know, Miasic is is so good at um, you know at using his his athleticism at staying outside at really moving around. Uh, we've seen him do that so well, uh, and he's cut off a little bit inside the twenty-five, uh, inside the twenty-five foot cage instead of the thirty. So uh, I think that aspect does favor Cormier a bit. But you're right; I think there's a lot of other factors. You know, Miasic kind of found himself a little bit in that rematch in that second fight. Uh, he he said that he you know kind of learned the switch of how you attack Cormier. Uh, so you would think, okay, maybe you know maybe. Miasic has some some momentum. Maybe uh, he goes into this fight feeling a lot more confident. Uh, those things could work in his favor, but I, I do think the cage works out in Cormier's favor. Uh, so I guess if you, like I said, I, I'm not going to be surprised no matter what happens in this fight. Uh, but if you forced me, I guess I would uh, I would go with Cormier just because of the dimensions. 
Well, let me uh, let me ask you two this. I mean, you two know the sport as well as anyone. Um, I say that all the time. It's the truth. Historians, just perspective. Can you put this in perspective for me? What what is the with the winner of this fight? What does that do for their for their legacy in terms of the heavyweight division? In terms of pound for pound all time, we know what these what these two have accomplished in the division within the sport. What would a win mean in the trilogy? Go for it, Adam. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think I think this is for the best heavyweight of all time. And, and I, I, I hate doing that. I hate saying that because, you know, I don't want to be, you know, prisoner of the moment or, uh, you know, just, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the term that I, and I say this term all the time and I'm forgetting it right now. Uh, but you know, you don't want, you don't want to just base on what you've just seen. Sure, uh, re- sure. Re- recency bias is what I was recency looking bias. for. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You, you don't want, you don't want to be that like, uh, whoever wins this fight is the best heavyweight of all time. But like, to me, I, I think, Especially the heavyweight division has evolved so much. Um, we everybody talks about Fedor Melianenko and what he was able to do for so long, uh, not in the UFC, but as an MMA fighter, uh, as just a guy that was so dominant and so good. Uh, but again, I think that I think that the heavyweight division in particular is just developing with more and more high level athletes. Uh, you're seeing more of those guys go into the sport, and I think right now, even if there's not you know huge names and people want to you know reminisce about the past. Like these guys now are the best fighters to me uh, that we've seen in the heavyweight division, and these guys are at the top of it. Uh, Cormier, as a heavyweight, like had never lost a round. Like we had never seen anybody challenge him at all at heavyweight, and then got knocked out by uh, Stipe in that last fight. And so now Stipe, who had a title for a while, had you know one of the longer runs, I think the longest run uh, as the heavyweight champion. Uh, now all of a sudden he gets that win now. Now he's 1-1. Whoever goes up 2-1 in this series has to have a very strong claim for, if not best UFC heavyweight of all time, then maybe even best MMA heavyweight of all time. But yeah, there's a lot of legacy on the line in this fight, no question about it. Yeah, definitely legacy is what stands out to me when you start talking about this one, especially in the case of Daniel Cormier. I just think that his road has been so much rockier than anybody else's when you start thinking about what he has been through, not just on a level of his professional career, but his personal life and all the tragedy that he's been through um, from his daughter and losing his daughter and then going through the Olympics and having to drop out of that with the kidney failure due to poor weight cut. And then just all of these different things and adversity that he faced throughout. I mean, not to say that Stipe hasn't, but Daniel's story has been told over and over again of everything that he's been through in the struggles. And when you just start to think of it from that perspective, I mean, wow, what a fairy tale ending it would be to like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sounding cliche there, but you, it, would be it really would sure, be a fairy tale sure. ending for him yeah and and it was it wasn't that long ago where we were talking about cormier as as you just referenced that guy that and he he's talked about it so many times of that guy that was so good rose his way all the way to the top not only in, in college wrestling but also in mma and then just failed right at the end um where you know fall short um at, at the olympics and and have the struggles that he had there and to lose a match when he thought he was going to win at the Olympics and then to get all the way to that fight with John Jones being so dominant and then lose the fight to John Jones. And then, you know, time after time, he talked about falling just short and being, you know, maybe the second best in the world at so many different things and how frustrating that was. And then rising up to be the heavyweight champion. And now he can be, you know, considered the greatest heavyweight of all time with a win. So there's, there's a lot 
there's a lot there, a lot at stake for, for both these guys, but I think in particular for Daniel Cormier too. Uh, if Stipe wants to keep fighting, he can de- definitely keep fighting. Cormier doesn't have a whole lot of time left. He's already talked about retiring several times. Uh, this might be it for him. And if he wins, he can walk away and be the best heavyweight ever and I think be incredibly proud or go on and take that one more fight with John Jones that he you know, probably still wants to get back as well. We'll see what happens there. But in the case of the co-main event, we were talking about momentum of fighters earlier and talk about somebody that's come back after being gone for two years from the UFC and definitely picked up some momentum. And that is Sugar Sean O'Malley, the Sugar Show. I mean, he's gone from... uh, kind of just starting to bring his name to the forefront as a contender to now his third fight here since his return from that two-year hiatus. And this fight against Marlon Vera, I think, is going to be key to him in this rise. A lot of people have put that title talk around his name. Adam, what do you think is in store here in the co-main event? Uh, I think, listen, (laughs) Sean O'Malley is so intriguing to me. Uh, and that we've kind of seen him come up from you know Dana, the the Tuesday night Dana White contender series, whatever it was called back then, uh, that they've now shortened. But he was certainly the breakout star of that of that first go round uh, over at the old building, and you know Snoop Dogg yelling his name over and over again uh, is so memorable. And and he he there's just something about him, and and I haven't seen it. I am I am trust me, I'm not making this comparison because even you know people have done it, uh, and I and I hate it. But I'm just saying. It feels like how Conor McGregor was built. Like people just want to see this guy fight for whatever reason. And I've done, you know, so many interviews around the country, you know, over the last, you know, several years or whatever. But, you know, he's a guy that I'll point out to people like, oh, they're like, who's the next big star rising up? And you'll say, well, this guy, Sean O'Malley, a lot of people are interested in him. He had the, the long absence with the suspension. But, you know, you tell people about him and they're like, oh, okay, I'll check him out. And then you start getting texts from like all these people like, I just saw this dude. I love him. I'll never miss a fight again. Like there's just something about him that, that people are drawn to. And I, I, for whatever reason, they just, they love watching this guy fight. And I mean, this is a huge test for him, but there is just something that draws people to watch him fight. And they're, they're very interested in him all the time. Well, Sam, if you haven't seen The Sugar Show, I recommend that you go do that. But when we come back here, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk to Sam Gordon all about what's happening in the boxing world. And there is a lot happening. So we are going to get into all of that right here in the RJ Ringside Podcast. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code RINGSIDE or DealDash.FM slash RINGSIDE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash RINGSIDE. <laughs> 
Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Welcome back to the RJ Ringside Podcast. It's Heidi Fang here with Sam Gordon and Adam Hill. And now it is time to break down what is going to happen inside the ring. Coming up now in November, we see the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight having been moved from September 12th. Uh, There is no reason announced for this switch per Mike Tyson on social media. He announced this Tuesday this week. And as we record here, Sam, on a Thursday, what do you think uh, was the reason for the move? Have you heard anything? And how does this kind of shake out for the rest of the boxing world now that the fight's been rescheduled? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it definitely it's not something I necessarily saw coming. I mean, you, you know, you hear the speculation. Is it because Canelo Alvarez is going to fight that night? Uh, it, it, to me, I, I don't see Canelo fighting in, um, in September. It just seems like that's that's too, too short a notice and it doesn't look like anything's going to happen there. Uh, might we see something with Canelo in November now? I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, this fight got pushed back. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Like maybe it gives these guys, I mean, they, granted it's just an exhibition, but you want a high-level exhibition. Maybe the, the the additional six to eight weeks to train is going to be a positive for both of them and they can both have a, a sensational showing. I don't know if, if you two saw the video. I mean, we saw the, the training videos of, of Tyson emerge uh, earlier in the spring, but there was one that just came out, you know, I, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, uh, where he's where he's working with his trainer inside the ring in, in a slow-mo video and you know, he's, he's throwing these body punches and, the power and the, the the reverberations. I mean, I'm not. He's not 25 year old Mike Tyson, but you you see some of the the seeds of of the guy that at one time was the most dominant force that that division had ever seen. So um, I, I don't. I get it. You know, if that's if that's the reason, if that's the rationale for it, I don't. I don't think it necessarily hurts the hype of the fight. If, if anything, you have more time to make a better product to promote it a little bit more thoroughly. And uh, I'm still – it doesn't damper my excitement at, at one bit. It, it just, for me, gives me something else to look forward to um, as we get deeper into the fall because there's – regardless of, uh, of of this particular fight, there's there's a lot of, uh, of good fights coming up in September, October, um, and November as well. And this is just another one that's that, – granted, it's on the back burner, but it's, it's still exciting nonetheless, even though it's got pushed back a little bit. You know what else was exciting? Mike Tyson subduing a shark. Adam, did you see it? <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out on Shark Week. I know. I just thought Mike Tyson might draw you in. I mean, he swam oh, with the sharks. Did he, did he really though, or was, was did they pretend that he was going to swim with the sharks like they did with Michael Phelps? No, he went in there. He was with okay. the sharks. He was. All right. You got to go watch it if you missed it. It, it yeah, was. Maybe I'll know, check it out. All right. All right. So yeah, he was there. Tyson versus Jaws. Rumble at the Reef. So make sure to go check that out. Um, (laughs) Sam, I also want to get into this Lomachenko-Lopez fight with you because uh, Wednesday I saw a report here that it was going to be set for October. Do we have a date now for this? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, Without further ado, it's going to happen October 17th, and it's going to happen right here 
at MGM Grand inside the top-ranked bubble. And uh, this is a huge, huge deal within the lightweight division because, as we know, the negotiations kind of stagnated there a little bit, right? Um, uh, Teofimo Lopez wanted – he wasn't satisfied with the with the purse, with the price tag that he was getting, and he was he was ready to table negotiations. And, and I think that was genuine. I mean, this is a, a marquee fight. This is one of the bright young stars in the sport – uh, who, who definitely has a name here and has a brand that he's building in, and he didn't feel like he was um, being compensated for that. And, and Lomachenko, in order to make this fight happen, uh, to, is taking a $250,000 pay cut and is, is deferring that, and that's huge. I mean, it shows the sense of urgency that he has um, at 32 years of age, uh, you know, still in his prime, perhaps the latter portion of it, but I think he needs this fight too. This this would be a marquee victory for him, and it's it's the, the old guard of the lightweight division, the the – the sage, if you will, Lomachenko, we know what he's done. And then, you know, one of the up-and-comers. And to me, Heidi and Adam, um, right now, this is the most fascinating division in all of boxing. With with these two, with Ryan Garcia, you have Devin Haney, and then you have Javante Davis. And all those guys have, you know, fights on the horizon. We're looking at Garcia and Luke Campbell uh, in November with, with the winner maybe set to fight Devin Haney. Devin Haney next month against uh, either your Yurkos Gamboa or Javier Fortuna. And then we're looking at... Tank and as we talked about in the pod, Tank and, and Leo Santa Cruz as well. So this to me feels like a division where you have those those young stars. You still have Lomachenko that can really galvanize the sport and maybe generate some more of that mainstream interest again. I, I don't want to reach too far, but it feels like, you know, again, that, that we could have maybe a four kings type of situation here with these young charismatic fighters that know how to promote that, that are talented inside the ring that have that combination of bravado and skill where you can have some genuine rivalries within the division here that we haven't necessarily seen in the sport for a long time. So uh, it's really exciting, really exciting time for that division. And, and Lomachenko Lopez really cements that as, as kind of the marquee fight in that division so far. And uh, the fact that we're having it here in Vegas, is it makes it all the more exciting. Let me ask you, Sam, how dangerous do you think Lopez is for Lomachenko? Because we've heard the nomas from, you know, <laughs> another past fights with Lomachenko. He's a guy that really dazzles when he's in the ring. But Lopez, he's a young up-and-comer at just 23 years old. I mean, he's already been prospect of the year a couple years in a row um, back I think, what, 2017, 2018 that I had read. And then you look at what he did in the ring with his knockout to get the IBF title back in December. I mean, how much of a threat do you think he is to Lomachenko and the dynasty that he's created for himself? Uh, I think this is a um, a fantastic, compelling matchup. I definitely think that Lopez uh, can can challenge and push Lomachenko. And uh, as, as good as, as Lomachenko has been um, since he's emerged, you know, these last several years here, uh, I think this this is a really this is this would be his to me um, his most significant victory to date. We we like you touched on Lopez has the power, he has the energy, he, he fights with this frenetic um, frenetic style and this overwhelming style, and it's going to be an interesting matchup where Lomachenko is is such so brilliant technically, and, you know, has some power as well, but he's such a brilliant technician against um, uh, somebody who's skilled as well in Lopez, but who, who fights with just a different kind of pace and energy. So uh, this is really a, a, I mean, it's, it's the biggest fight in recent memory in this division, in my opinion. And can, can, can Lopez catapult himself and become maybe the face of the division or, or does Lomachenko hang on this? There's so many storylines here as we get into this fight, as it pertains to the whole lightweight division and, and uh, and I'm really excited for it. I, I definitely think that he can challenge challenge Lomachenko and wouldn't be surprised at all if he takes him down. 
All right, I got one more for you. Does Canelo Alvarez yet have an opponent for September 12th? Because you mentioned him earlier on, and it's kind of been up in the air still about who he's going to fight. Is there any word yet on anything final for who he might face? I, I mean, it's still, like you said, it's still still all up in the air. I mean, we we, we knew, we heard it was going to be Billy Joe Saunders if that, that fight would have happened in the spring, and nothing's emerged there. I mean, it, it's, it's looking like it's going to be at 168 pounds, right? And we know Benavidez has a fight coming up. Uh, this Actually, this weekend, David Benavidez, the WBC champion, is going to make his first defense. So it's, it's not going to be him. Uh, could it be a Callum Smith? I, I don't know. Is it going to be somebody of a, a lesser tier in that division? I'm not sure. He, to me right now in the sport for the last couple of years now, ever since beating Triple G, I mean, I've, he feels like the man to me pound, pound for pound in boxing. Uh, hopefully it's somebody marquee that can actually push him in in, in bring out the best in Canelo Alvarez in a way that I don't necessarily think Sergey Kovalev or Daniel Jacobs did. Uh, could it be a Triple G? I, maybe. I don't know. There was talks of a trilogy there. I don't necessarily want to see that with the way Canelo took care of him the last time. I know it was somewhat controversial, but Canelo, um, I thought, really, really improved based on his his performance that time in the first showing. So it's still up in the air, but, but it is looking like it's going to be at 168 pounds and beyond – Whatever he does there, there, there is that is becoming an increasingly interesting division with Benavidez. We have Caleb Plant, the IBF champion who lives right here in Las Vegas, has been very vocal that that he's willing to fight all comers and uh, that that he would take on Canelo at some point as well. So uh, that that's that's all up in the air. Um, I, I just know this: I want to see Canelo Alvarez back in that ring. I think we all do. It's been uh, nine months since the Kovalev fight, and, and we're ready to see him go. All right. Well, let's hope we get that settled soon and figure out uh, how we're going to manage to go see that in that bubble or, you know, maybe just kind of suspend ourselves over the bubble with the drone camera or something like that. I don't know, but we got to get in there and see this. Everybody, that'll do it for us here on the RJ Ringside for today. Uh, I'd like to thank Adam and Sam for coming on. You can give them both a follow on Twitter at Adam Hill LVRJ and at by Sam Gordon to keep up with all of your latest combat sports news. And I am at Heidi Fang. Guys, we will be back next week with more. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.